The Pentagon and the armed services have been on an innovation tear, but they're buying most of the innovation from the private sector. And that's sharpened the challenges the Defense Department has over how it manages intellectual property. Now Congress is getting interested. One of the top stories in this week's DOD Reporter's Notebook with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Scott Mossioni. And Scott, tell us about intellectual property and what the issues are and what Congress would like DOD to do about managing it. Yeah, there's been a lot of back and forth between industry and the Defense Department on intellectual property. Really, the issue is that innovation doesn't come from the Defense Department as much as it did back in the 60s and 50s. And therefore, the Defense Department is reliant on these other companies to bring in their own proprietary information and help the Defense Department continue to be the most uh, technically advanced military in the world. Congress has tried to move a few things around so that DOD can find a nice balance between proprietary information and keeping some of these trade secrets and figuring out how to sustain weapons far into the future. But the problem is, is that DOD hasn't done the greatest job of implementing these provisions from Congress over the past few years. That's according to a new government accountability report. One of the issues is that DOD was supposed to create this cadre of IP experts, but it doesn't really have a lot of bite to it. They only really have about five people that they have been budgeted for. And within that, these people are saying that they don't really have the resources that they need. It's only about $5 million. That $5 million isn't going to take them very far when they have to really deal with all the Defense Department and the military services IP issues. What they were hoping to do was to uh, have experts be assigned to program offices or to acquisition commands and really advise and assist on IP matters. There's a couple other issues that the GAO found. Uh, some of those are just purely organizational that they want to tap into a larger pool of IP experts. However, these small funding and short turnarounds for things really haven't been very helpful with that. And finally, when the DOD put out its IP instruction, it emphasized the importance of acquiring and licensing IP, but uh, there's still a lot of issues when it comes to acquiring detailed manufacturing and process data, and that's something that GAO thinks DOD really needs to work on more. They gave them a couple recommendations, planned guidebook on IP to clarify personnel, how they can work on that detailed manufacturing and process data. Uh, they also need to better coordinate their staffing and collaborate with the Defense Acquisition University on IP tasks for the next few years. And does a lot of this stem from the basic notion that DOD wants innovation specifically from the private sector? It wants them to be commercial, and companies don't natively want to give up their intellectual property for purposes of doing business with uh, DOD. There's multiple issues to this. One is that these companies want to be able to make a profit. They can't show all of their cards here because they may want to use these for commercial industry sort of sorts of things in the future. DOD also wants to be able to, to sustain these weapons far into the future, maybe 50 years. And we don't know that Microsoft, for example, is going to be around in 50 years to come back and to work on these software that they gave to the Defense Department or something like that. So then that leaves the Defense Department kind of stuck figuring out how they're going to fix something where they don't have a company with the IP to, to give them. Sounds like they got some figuring out to do. And in the meantime, let's turn to Jared Serbu. And this has to do with the acquisition workforce in the Army using simulators to train acquisition people, that seems like a stretch, but tell us what's going on. <laughs> it is the analogy that they're making to uh, in this new approach to training, especially young Army contracting professionals, the analogy they're making is to a, a helicopter simulator. And the way that it's similar is that it's walking people through you know, very precise scenarios and then changing up that scenario based on the decisions that they make 
along the way in sort of a choose your own adventure kind of way. And and Tom, I think it's consonant to, with some of the the broader changes that we're seeing across DoD and how the department is thinking about training, especially this younger or newer cadre of the contracting workforce. There's always been sort of a part art, part science to defense acquisition, and this may be the pendulum swinging a little bit more toward the idea of it being more of an art form and encouraging people to engage in critical thinking more than going down prescribed checkboxes and and recognizing the value of those critical thinking skills. And so this sort of training builds on that and tries to encourage that and foster that. It again gets back to this idea that we have across the Defense Department right now, the concept of a program they call Back to Basics, which really emphasizes the nuts and bolts of what you need to achieve in a defense acquisition project and really reducing the total number of classroom hours that members of the acquisition workforce have to sit through in favor of a smaller number of core hours supplemented by maybe some more specialized knowledge in whatever field you're working in. So I think this this simulation-based approach really does fit nicely with that whole overall concept, emphasizing ways to help you think rather than telling you exactly what to do in a given scenario. And given all of the regulations written into the FAR, into the FAR defense supplement, and the things even for OTAs, for that matter, there are rules and regulations, they add up to a very highly variable situation, millions of possible scenarios. So is the thinking here also that maybe some artificial intelligence could be applied down the line to automate a lot of the routine decision-making so that activities are still consistent with what they have to be under the rules and regulations. Yeah, I think everything you just said is completely right, Tom. I mean, there there are so many different contract clauses that may or may not apply to any individual procurement that no one person can keep them all in their head. That is one of the sort of long-term goals of the new contract writing systems that both the Army and the Navy are working on right now is to, in some ways, use AI, but really just straight-up automation to figure out which contract clauses, et cetera, to pull into a given thing so that people can use brain power for things that really do need critical thinking skills. They're doing some of that in an ad hoc fashion using robotic process automation to, for example, go out and do contractor responsibility determinations that have to be done on a regular basis so that people aren't spending time on that. But yes, you're absolutely right. A lot of that automation, I think, is definitely the future here. And Jared, while we have you briefly on a very different note, there has been a nose count done by the Office of the Secretary of Defense on extremists in DOD. And did they find lots of them or not so many. This is the first year there's really been a department-wide count, and the DOD Inspector General is in charge of this. They were able to come up with 281 investigations in the military criminal justice system that had some nexus to to what what's considered extremism or supremacist or criminal gang activity. Compared to what is the question, because we don't have any prior year numbers, another big question mark that the IG points to here is there's no consistency between the military departments in how they categorize individual offenses as extremist or not extremist. And DOD has yet to put out any real clear guidance on on how to sort of harmonize and synthesize all of that into some kind of coherent, consistent formula. There is a draft policy memo that's being circulated right now, but more than a year after it became law for DOD to uh, start keeping tabs on some of this stuff in a more consistent fashion, they're, uh, they're still a little bit behind. And in their spreadsheets, they don't have a column for just plain jerks. They do not. All right. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Scott Massioni. Check out their DOD Reporter's Notebook at federalnewsnetwork.com. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. 
Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.